Let's pray together. Lord, there's times when my heart's not where it needs to be. There's times when I've made something into worship that it shouldn't be. When I haven't been focused enough on you. And Lord, I'm not the only one. We all come with humble hearts to confess that that sometimes we've just not been where we need to be when we've come to worship. Maybe our minds have been uh, in a hundred different places. Maybe they're there right now. Maybe we've been too focused on who we are. I, I don't know, Lord, but I pray that we would make this and each worship service all about you. That you would just stir in our hearts that we want nothing, so that we want nothing more than to see you high and lifted up. That we want nothing more than to see you exalted, not only in our worship, but in our lives. Lord, give us an undivided devotion unto you. Focus our hearts now on your holy word. Send your Holy Spirit that the reading, the proclamation, and the understanding of, of your word would be indeed all about you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Reading from Matthew 5, verses 1 to 8. And as you know, we've just been working through the Beatitudes, and, and I've been reading, going back and reading through each of them uh, again and stopping at the Beatitude that we're on. Uh, so we're, uh, we're all the way down to verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart. But let me read the entire uh, passage. Jesus again, seeing the crowds, went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And then blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Thanks be to God for his holy word. Amen. When Jesus began his earthly ministry in uh, Israel, Israel was in a pretty terrible condition, politically, economically, spiritually. For hundreds of years, they had been under the oppression of one conqueror after another. There had been a few moments in there where they were free, but, but precious few. At the time of Jesus, it was Rome. And Israel really had no chance of a, a stable economy during that time, because of how high the Roman taxes were. Every, almost everything they made went uh, to pay those taxes, it would seem. And every person felt the strain, and, and every person felt the pain uh, of this poor economy. But their spiritual health was even worse. Even before they experienced political and economic uh, oppression, the Israelites had decri- declined greatly spiritually. Oh, the Jewish leaders thought the state of their religion was great. But Jesus over and over again said to them, but what about your heart? Over and over again, he he wanted to examine the heart of the matter. What was the state of their hearts? If you spent time reading the New Testament, you pretty quickly see that, that the Pharisees 
were the dominant religious group of the day. They had the oversight of the legalistic and ritualistic religion that dominated that society. And they had passion for definitions, and they had passion for great intricacies of the law, all the details of the Jewish law. For example, God had said very clearly in the Ten Commandments, Exodus 2, beginning with verse 8, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now granted, the Sabbath commandment is the longest of the Ten Commandments. But still, it's pretty straightforward. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy by doing no work, and by setting aside that day as for worship or holy, dedicated unto God. But the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees and the scribes began to ask, but, but what is work? And then they classified all kinds of things as work. For example, carrying a burden of any kind was called work. But that wasn't enough. They, they had to ask, but what is a burden? I mean, how much is too much to carry on the Sabbath day? They spent endless hours arguing over such things of, could a man pick up a lamp and move it from this table to the next in order to have light? Did a tailor commit a sin if in his jacket pocket he left a needle in it and carried it on the Sabbath? Did a woman break the Sabbath if she wore a brooch? What about, listen to this one, what about wearing artificial teeth or an artificial limb? Was that breaking the Sabbath law? And were you allowed to pick up your baby on the Sabbath, or was that breaking the law? They went to such extremes in these questions. We laugh and we shake our head, but we American in the church, we've done strange things as well. We have spent hours on issues of legalism. We, we've had endless arguments over dress code and the use of alcohol and music and even at one time dancing and, and all sorts of things. We've spent hours and hours and hours arguing over such things. And I shared all that to say that the Jew of Jesus' day, for them, religion was primarily one of outward appearances. They might have said, blessed are the outwardly, outwardly clean, for they're the ones that are going to see God, the ones that look good, but not Jesus. He said, verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, or they're the ones that are going to see God. Purity and cleanliness is a matter of the heart to Jesus. And heart is the Greek word cardia from which we get such words as cardiac and many other words. Heart is often metaphorically used to represent the inner person, the seat of emotions. The, our attitudes and our personality. And in Scripture, it very much is about the mind and the will as well. 
The, the heart is, if you will, the control center of the mind and the will and the emotions. And the heart has always, folks, been God's primary concern. 1 Samuel 16, 7. The Lord sees not as man sees. The man looks, man looks on the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at what? The heart. Psalm 19, 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Jeremiah 17.10 I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. When the Pharisees confronted Jesus about His disciples not ceremoniously cleaning their hands before eating, Jesus said in Matthew 15.19 Out of the heart come evil thoughts. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands, that does not defile anyone. You see, God's always been concerned about the condition of a man or woman's heart. So what does it mean for the heart to be pure? Pure is the word katharos, from which we get the word catharsis. And catharsis is used in counseling to talk about a cleansing of the mind. It means to cleanse from filth and from dirt and contamination. The word was often used in metallurgy to talk about metal that had been refined and that all of its impurities had been pulled out, that it was unmixed, that the metal was unadulterated. There was no alloys in it. So applied to the heart and mind, it means for you and I to be single-minded. It means for you and I to have an undivided devotion unto the Lord, for us to have a spiritual integrity. The pure in heart have a single-minded devotion unto God. Jesus warned later in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. He'll either hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And we could add other things that you and I are tempted to serve over and above the living God. We could add career advancement, sports, social status, physique, food, FOMO, the fear of missing out is a God for a lot of people. Jesus' brother, James, warned in James 4.8, Purify your hearts, you double-minded. The call is for you and I to get rid of our mixed motives, to get rid of our duplicity, to get rid of our double-mindedness, and to be simple and pure in our devotion unto the Lord. But that's a daunting requirement, isn't it? That's a daunting requirement. In our world, for example, the fear of missing out is a real struggle for some of us, particularly for young adults. But, but Jesus is calling for a radical cleansing of the heart. A heart totally focused upon God. Who can keep such a requirement? A after all, in the passage I read from Jeremiah, Jeremiah wrote one verse earlier in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things. It's desperately sick. So who can even understand the heart? If the heart's deceitful, then how can you and I be pure in heart? 
Can anyone be pure in heart? And the answer is, no one can be, at least not on their own. We must cast ourselves, beloved, upon the grace of Christ, the grace of God in Jesus. The only way to be pure in heart is by faith in what God has done through His Son, Jesus Christ. But at the same time, though you will never be completely 100% pure in heart, please do not use that as an excuse. Jesus would not have asked us to do something if He didn't think we had a chance of increasing our purity in heart. And He wouldn't ask us to do something if He didn't give us the means by which we can increase our purity of heart. So we must realize what I've already said. We cannot live pure lives apart from God's grace in Jesus Christ. We need His grace. We need His guidance. We need His power. Proverbs 29 asks, Who can say I have made my heart pure? I am clean from my sin. And the obvious answer is no one. So purity of heart begins by you and I acknowledging to God, even this very day, God, I'm weak. And admit to self and to God, I, I can't do this on my own. I need your help, Lord. If I'm going to become more, more Christ-like, if I'm going to become more undivided in my devotion to you, I need your help. And the second, we, we've got to stay in God's Word. King David asked in Psalm 119, verse 9, How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word, or by guarding it according to your word. And then he, he says in verse 11, I've stored up your word in my heart, or I've hidden your word in my heart, that I might not sin against you. We're not going to grow in our devotion to God if we're not students of His Word. It's, it's by being in His Word that our, our heart is worked on, that our heart is changed, and we have a more uh, unified, a, a more uh, powerful devotion unto God, that we, our hearts are not so divided when we've spent time in God's Word. We'll never live in accordance with His will unless we're in His Word. Never. And some of you are going to say, Danny, I, I, I knew you were going to say that. But, but I just don't read much. Okay, I, I get it. That's a bigger concern for our world today that people don't read much. Uh, and that, that worries me. Uh, it does. But let me say on this subject, start simple. Start simple. Many of us have a smartphone or we have some sort of device. You can download the, the U version of the Bible, Y-O-U version, right now and you can have a verse sent to your phone every day just a verse start there folks if, if you don't spend time in scripture start right there with a verse a day and, and let that verse just lead you into what god wants you to do in your life to have to be devoted unto him uh, that one verse if you struggle to read that one verse a day can make a huge difference in your heart and your devotion unto god and then third, pray. And you knew that was coming next, right? Read your Bible and pray. Some of you are going to say, Pastor, that's what you say about everything. Read the Bible and pray. Well, I do. 
Because it is what we need to do is to read the Bible and pray. It does make a difference. Uh, it, I'm, I'm like the old pastor that, that preached every Sunday on love at his new church. And finally, the, the, the elder came up to him and said, you know, we appreciate your sermons on love, but, but can't you preach on something else? And the pastor said, well, when you get that one right, I'll move on to something else. <laughs> We've got to be students of the Word and people who pray. And I want to urge you to specifically pray here for the Holy Spirit's power to walk in the will of God. For power to walk in the will of God day by day. I'd urge you to, to pray that one before your feet hit the floor in the morning. Because I'm telling you, as soon as your feet hit the floor, temptation begins, right? To, to do what you want to do and to go your own way. Just pray, Lord, I want to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to walk in your will this very day. Galatians 5.16 says very clearly, Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This sermon is uh, much easier to preach than it is to live. It's difficult to walk in purity of heart. Indeed, without God's grace and His Word and His Holy Spirit, we will not walk in purity in heart. But God said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. We will begin, believers, to see God now. We won't see His total being. That would be too much for us. But those who seek to live in devotion to God will begin to see Him in Scripture. We're going to, if we live in devotion to Him, we're going to begin to see God in other people. We're going to see God in, in creation. We're going to see God in the circumstances of our lives, even when the circumstances aren't always good. We're going to see God. And the more we seek to walk with God, the more we're going to see God in the everyday circumstances and situations of life. Of course, the pure in heart are going to one day see God face to face. We're going to see Him face to face. Beloved, I urge you to have the faith Job had when he said in Job 19, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last He will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes behold, and not another, my heart faints within me. Job says, my heart is fainting, for he longs for that day when he'll see God, not just in a story, not just, not just hear about God, not just in another person, but he'll see God himself. When he won't just know about God or, or catch a little glimpse of him, but he's longing for that day when his eyes will behold the living God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Do you long to see God? Do you long to see Him? It begins by trusting what this table represents. If we want to see God, we must first trust in His grace in Jesus Christ. If you've never trusted in His grace, I would urge you to do so this very day. Some of you have maybe been in the church all your life, but you've never really trusted in His grace in Jesus Christ. 
You keep thinking that, that somehow on my own, I'll be pure enough. But you never will be. It's only by His grace. It's only by His grace. If you've already trusted in His grace, I want to urge you today to keep trusting in His grace. And ask Him to renew your devotion unto Him. Ask Him to, to give you an increasingly pure heart, an undivided heart. Ask God to empower you today by His Holy Spirit to remove your mixed motives, your double-mindedness, and to give you a pure and simple devotion unto His will. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you, today and forevermore. Amen.